Welcome to the Sensory Friendly Dentistry Audio Conference, brought to you by Sensory Friendly Solutions, where we have important conversations about creating a sensory friendly dentist experience and environment. I'm your host, Stephanie London, and in today's episode, you will also hear the voices of co host Chelsea Bloom, my fellow occupational therapy student and friend, as well as Sensory Friendly Solutions founder and CEO, Crystal Seeberger. Our guest in this episode is Dr. Peter Halford an experienced periodontist and father of four children, who is currently practicing with his brother, who is an endodontist. Dr. Halford is a member of many associations, some of which include the Royal College of Dentists of Canada and the New Brunswick Dental Association. We are very excited to speak with Dr. Halford and learn about sensory friendliness in this specialized field of dentistry. Welcome, Dr. Halford. Thank you so much for joining us today. Would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Uh, yeah, so my name is Peter Halford. I think you did a good job introducing me already. Um, I'm a dentist who specialized in periodontics. Uh, periodontics is one of the specialties within dentistry, and it specializes in the treatment of uh, gum disease and uh, gum grafting and, and problems with the bone, the surrounding tissues of your teeth. So to start off our conversation today, um, I wanted to know if you ever thought of dentistry for people with special needs um, as being like a barrier, so like a barrier to oral health care. Definitely. uh, I guess initially, uh, maybe in dental school, you might like physically, like physical challenges, like someone not able to brush their teeth or perform adequate oral hygiene, like it's hard to floss even if you ha- do have good dexterity. Um, so that'd be like the first one. That's the most obvious one that kind of jumps out at you. And then there's always some mental health issues too. Maybe if someone's so depressed, they can't get her to bed and they haven't uh, brushed their teeth in a month or whatever like that. So there's just things like that. Mm-hmm. So within your practice, so at your clinic, have you ever experienced some people having challenges and what types of strategies have you used to kind of um, make them more comfortable in the environment? Um, so the biggest one, I think for me would be the noises. Um, a lot of people don't like the noises. Um, all those noises are when you're in your mouth and they're, your ears are so close. Uh, so a big one would be uh, people don't like the noises and uh, a lot, uh, a fair number of people would might bring like a headsets or something like that. In some of our other conversations, we've discussed how people with sensory challenges, especially people with autism, may be more sensitive to the taste and texture of toothpaste or even fluoride. Is there anything you do or you could suggest doing for patients with these sensory challenges? Um, I have personally never run across that. Um, There's a million different types of toothpaste and toothbrushes, and um, I guess my recommendation would be just to try lots and see how you just try them all out. So what are some experiences? Like I, I kind of did some research about periodontics and some things that I found where you would do a root planing or scaling. Are those some of the things that you do? Yeah. So that'd be like the main, um, the main thing I do every day would be um, kind of if you've gone to the hygienist to get your teeth cleaned. Uh, some people that would have gum disease or gum problems, they'd get a, like a very thorough uh, cleaning where you're actually like scraping the roots because they have deep pockets around their teeth. Um, a lot of people don't like it. Um, they're frozen, obviously, but even just the the pressure and the and the sensation and, and the noise, because um, we all along with the the scraping that we we do, 
Um, I don't know if you ever had the hygienist use an ultrasonic machine where they they vibrate the tartar off your teeth. Yeah. Um, but uh, like that would be a, a noise that a lot of people don't uh, like or can't tolerate. And that's where people will kind of bring in their their headphones to kind of cancel that noise. Yeah. Okay. Besides the noise that we talked about, is there any other senses that like patients of yours have like expressed or you've noticed have been difficult? I don't know. Sometimes like the lights of the room, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. The bright, the light would be another one. Um, so the, the light on the, like on your chair that you use to uh, light up inside the mouth. Then also I wear a, like a headlamp. Um, so that could be a, a bright light that someone might bother someone. Uh, but we've got sunglasses that we get people to, to wear sometimes. Are there any, like, um, so going back to the procedures that you do, um, are they typically lengthy procedures? And would the patients typically be under for the duration of the procedure? Or how would that work? So my longest procedure would be an hour or so. Like, I wouldn't go because that's how long the freezing lasts. lasts. Um, I personally don't, when you mean go under, you mean like some type of sedation? Yes. So very rarely do I do um, any sedation uh, once in a while. I guess that could be another strategy if someone is nervous or whatever, but uh, I might do like an oral sedative once a month, uh, but it's usually just the local anesthetic. Okay. And so would you ever, if a patient can't handle the duration of the procedure, would you ever think of doing kind of half procedures and then having them come back in for the rest of it? Or is that a possibility with those types of things? Yep, for sure. Um, Like some procedures you can't stop halfway through. Um, But there's a lady not too long ago. And um, so if I was doing root planning on a new patient, I would usually freeze the, the top right and the bottom right and then work on them for an hour. Um, she didn't think she could do that. So I did, we did it over four appointments instead of two appointments. So I just did the top right, top left, bottom left, bottom right. So yeah, so I'm pretty easy going, whatever the patients think they can tolerate, I just do it. So you're touching on the idea of client-centeredness, where you work with the patient to make them as comfortable as possible. You just mentioned something about modifying a typical root planing appointment and having to break it down into multiple appointments to better accommodate the patient. So I was wondering, are there any other procedures or tools that may be more difficult to work with for some patients? I guess most stuff that I do, like it's, it's easy for me. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of people are nervous and I, I try to simplify things and explain things very simply to them. And 99% of the time, once we're done, um, the procedure is shorter than what I told them. Um, and it's not as bad as what they're expecting, obviously. Um, so I try and do that, I guess. Okay. So in terms of like, on top of like splitting it up into different time sections, how would you describe like your patient interaction and like what types of, of things would you do to make the patient feel more comfortable? Like what would you say to them? What kind of strategies would you talk to them? Um, so I've got some like not cartoons, but some, uh, what's, what's the word? Just like not photographs either, but just like uh, pictograms, like, I guess. Pictograms, sure. Um, kind of explain them what the problem is, uh, show them what we're going to do. Um, I tell them not to look on YouTube um, but I, I usually do a pretty good for everybody too. I tend to do a consult. So I take that time to just explain to them what's going to happen and go through all that. 
I guess, and that's the big part of mm-hmm. um, informed consent too. You need to explain to people what you're going to do and um, how it's going to go. The idea of showing what you're going to do and explaining it before doing it has been a common suggestion from other guests as well. We've also touched on the idea of using a graded approach to help new patients become more comfortable and familiar with the dentist or upcoming procedures. So sometimes before a child first goes to the dentist, they'll come in for a tour of the office or their first appointment may consist of just counting their teeth. So in your field... Are there any steps of things you can do to slowly introduce a patient to yourself, your staff, and your clinic and help prepare them for procedures and treatments that you'll be doing? Well, I guess it's kind of lucky for me because um, I work on a referral basis. So everybody's been to the dentist and they're familiar with the dentist and what the dentist does for the most part. Um, Sometimes when they come see me, they don't know what I'm going to do. And the the referring dentist doesn't always do a great job of explaining things. Uh, But like I said, I always do a a consult first and very, very rarely do I do treatment at the same time unless someone's in pain or something like that. Um, So it'd be just um, taking the time and explaining who I am, what I do and why they're to see me. And then we usually do the exam and I usually get the mirror out and I show them like, this is the problem and this is what we're going to do to fix it. And this is why we need to fix it. Okay, no, that's interesting because I know with uh, our last guest that we had, uh, Dr. Rachel Corman, um, she was kind of talking to us. I guess your consultation is similar to what she does. Um, she calls it a desensitization treatment. So basically, like, patients would come in and, and she would basically tell them what's going to happen at, at the next appointment and, like, kind of get them more familiar with the field. So I guess kind of what you're saying is you would do a similar thing. You'd show them what the problem is, kind of tell them what you're going to do, and then the follow-up appointment would be when you actually perform the procedure, right? Okay. Um, So do you also work with um, the placement of like dental implants as well? Okay. Do you ever have patients who experience some like high sensitivity to like the dental implants and what kind of things would you suggest for them? Um, That'd be like very rare. Um, There is one patient I can think of that has like generalized facial pain um, and it kind of started out with the, she start, had a root canal done and then she still had pain and then she had the root canal redone. Then she had the tooth out, then she had an implant placed and she still has facial pain kind of in that area. Um, and she's a younger patient as well. So, um, I don't know if it was a undiagnosed neuralgia or what, um, but any like sensitivity with dental implants would be very uncommon or at all. They should have no sensation at all. We talked a bit in previous um, conversations um, of the idea of like the advancement of technology and like modernization, um, making um, dental clinics or different types of clinics more like efficient, but also, um, Um, more like accommodating to some patients so we talked about like x-ray machines and also like um, instead of like doing the exact molds um, like you could do like a scanner so that would help for like people who have like sensitivity to like the taste or texture of like the mold Um, I was wondering if like that in your field like in periodontistry could you see it as making like those sensitive issues easier or like minimizing them. Yeah. The, uh, scanners, um, instead of taking the 
the goopy molds uh, would be a, a big one for me. Um, I'll, people really like that <laughs> uh, better. Um, in terms of other things like the scaling, it's kind of like periodontics. I think it's uh, a little bit old school. So um, the, the, the scraping of the roots and all that kind of stuff, um, that hasn't changed. And what about in terms of the the tools that you use? Like, have you kind of upgraded those over time? Or like, are there any like alternative tools you could use if someone's not like ex- having a good experience with one? It's too like scrapey, too sharp. Everybody's frozen, so they're not going to feel anything. Uh, but the, the tools are kind of what they are and they've evolved to like it, it like periodontics kind of was started in the 50s or 60s. Um, so the tools are kind of what they are and they do maybe materials might get better over time, but uh, it's the same, the same types of uh, things to scrape your gums and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> that leads me just you talking about that change over time. Um, that leads me just to a little, a little question. Okay. So the, the tools or the, the technique is maybe the same or the, the yeah. treatment the what, your intervention um, is kind of the same. The tools are kind of the same, uh, but just you know, given given the length of your your practice, I'd really like to know. Sort of reflecting back, uh, what do you what do you kind of wish a, a younger uh, Dr. Peter Halford uh, knew, or what do you wish maybe other dentists uh, uh, would uh, would know about uh, treating patients who might have. Uh, sensitivity to noise or to light or uh, uh, sort of before even before and after the freezing to the sensation um, in their mouth uh, you talked about generalized anxiety right what are what are your your reflections on uh, what you know now uh, versus what you knew then I've always been like fairly easy going um, in general so yeah. um, it takes a lot to get me upset if someone's not having a good experience at the dentist and sometimes you I don't know if you blame yourself because it happens so rarely that um, you know like once a year and you see a thousand people a year so it's less than one percent that someone doesn't have a good or Mm -hmm. leaves unhappy or something like that so um, I don't know if there's one thing I would pick that would uh, I'd tell tell myself to to watch out for because I tend to have pretty good days in in general. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so you picked a a good match of the profession, right? Yeah, with so. your uh, with your your personality. Um, I'll go back to on on your website. You sort of you know you very much describe your practice as a as a family practice and and really making uh, people feel uh, comfortable. And I think your your natural personality, right, and just very very even keel, right, about something that is is stressful for might be very stressful for your patients um but what it just in 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 your practice in general or your philosophy is there anything uh i'd like to hear a little bit more about that uh so i guess i'm very like personal they don't have to go through two or three layers of uh, people to get to me um if someone phones the office and wants to talk to me nine times out of ten i'll like speak to them myself and explain to them the procedure or, or or what to expect before or after um same thing with the consults like they're not um seeing three or four people before they get to see me they see the receptionist and then they see me like right away um so i guess that'd be one thing mm-hmm. yeah that's a, one very important thing yeah. right um so it sounds like you're you're just you're very accessible yeah right? exactly. yeah, that'd be, yeah. yeah. 
yeah, to uh, to your patients and to to explaining the the procedures and uh, and what's going to happen. Um, is there anything you've you know we talked a little bit about? You, you gave some examples of uh, clients bringing in headphones or sunglasses. Is there anything you've been able to to change um, with the tools you use or how you use them that makes people more comfortable? Uh, maybe a family member once in a while might come. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes some medication helps yeah um but yeah that'd be the the would be the headphones or the the glasses would be the kind of the two bigger ones so just sort of thinking thinking about the other end of the the spectrum of of age and some of the challenges that come with uh with aging right um and any difficulties with hearing or with with vision right that come along uh with that is there anything that uh that you kind of have to change uh, with older adults, with uh, seniors, uh, maybe yeah, even with uh, seniors who have some cognitive um, decline, right, already? Um, yeah, so uh, one would be dex- dexterity, which I talked about already. Um, so we think about different strategies so they can actually brush, brush their teeth effectively. Um, mobility would be a big one too, just um, and just being able to get out of their house and up to our office and all that kind of stuff. Um, some people like there's people I see from that would come from St. Stephen and, you know, they hit 75 and they say, I can't do this anymore. And instead of coming every three months, I'm going to come once a year and see my regular dentist. And that's probably fine. Um, and hearing, uh, uh, I find a lot of older people, if they have hearing aids, they don't wear them. And then, <laughs> and then you're trying to explain something to them and they don't have their, so, so once again, I have the, the pictograms and all that kind of stuff for the, for the most part to show people as well. Cause there's lots of different learners. Yeah. Well, regardless of age, a little, a picture helps yeah. worth a thousand words sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you talked a little bit about uh, mobility. I'd actually love to hear um, any our background in occupational therapy coming out here, uh, but any particular strategies to share about those difficulties with, you know, arthritic hands, right, and uh, dexterity, and maybe even vision, right, being able to see, um, you know, cl- clearly in, in your own mouth. Um, so this is, you know, a, a little bit more uh, specific to the recommendations you give uh, patients, but I think that's valuable for uh, everyone on the uh, on the team to hear. Uh, so a big one, if you're having dexterity issues, would be the electronic toothbrushes help a lot. Yeah, um, you can just kind of use those, and they do all the work for you. And they they've got timers on them now. They can tell you when to move around your mouth and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And most of them you can't brush too hard because if you push too hard, they they turn off as well. Uh-huh. Um, there's and there's if you go to shoppers, there's tons of little aids you can buy, uh, little brushes or pointy brushes or floss threaders and all that kind mm. of stuff. Mm. Um, and there's, I remember in school, like people put in a, a tennis ball on a, on a toothbrush so they could, someone could, could hold it. But I think, uh, elect, uh, electronic toothbrushes are, um, like fairly cheap now and, um, mm. they do quite a good job. Mm. Talks a little bit about accessibility and just people's ability to move. Right. Yeah. And, and, um, any, any difficulties, any challenges, any solutions about just getting in and out of the chair. Right. And f- feeling comfortable in that. Has that ever come up for you? Um, yeah. Well, uh, one of the big ones is people are laying back and mm. then you sit them up and then all the blood rushes from their head. 
Um, so I guess just taking their time. Uh, the chairs go up and down so you can get them as close to the ground or a little bit off the ground if they need to be. Mm. Um, and just having lots of room because there's we have so many tools and all the cabinets and stuff too. So having room for their walkers or whatever to 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 get in there so they can get out in into the chair. What we've talked um, a bit of before about like the idea of creating a good like team um, in the clinic you work and how like that can improve, like make or break a patient's experience. So I was wondering like, what are some of like the key characteristics or qualities you think of that team that could like make a better all over experience? Like we've talked about trust before as a big one, like between even like the hygienist, the assistants, the dentist, the periodontist, and like the patients and the parents too. But maybe like you have other ideas of other important qualities. Patience would be a, a big one as well um, for me. Um, just if someone's nervous, there's probably a reason they're nervous and you can't just tell them to be quiet and do your work. You have to kind of understand why they're nervous and all that kind of stuff. I always tell people I, I'm coming from a strange place too because my father was a dentist and um, so my experience at the dentist was going in on Sunday afternoons to get my teeth checked and I never had a, a filling in my life and then I went to dental school and people are petrified of me just because I walk in the room right and uh, and I like why would you ever be scared of the dentist and I've always had a good experience at the dentist. And same thing, a lot of young dentists, their only experience would be going to get braces or something like that. At the very most, maybe getting their wisdom teeth out. Um, and then all of a sudden they're in dental school and they're doing extractions or doing fillings or root canals on people that are petrified just because they're who they are. Um, so patience would be a big one for me. And so bringing it back, what are some ways that you would utilize technology in your clinic? So, for example, patient charting or alerts to let you know that the client is ready. Um, we have a small office. Um, we just have four chairs. Um, we do have a fair amount of technology, uh, but usually the, the patient might be left alone for 10 seconds. And I can I, I can hear when the patients come in from my office. So I've got it timed down like pretty, by the time my assistant says, I'm going to go get the doctor, I'm usually there. Um, so it's fairly minimal if anybody's left alone. And we try not to leave anybody alone anyway. If someone's has some freezing ends, you have to keep an eye on them just in case they, you never know what could happen. I guess technology too, that'd be one nice thing because we have uh, digital x-rays on a big computer screen. And so that's something we can show people uh, as well what's going on to explain to them why we're doing what we're doing and what needs to be done. For like x-rays, um, have you found that that was like a challenge, challenging procedure to do? Um, is definitely something that can be challenging um, for the person taking the x-rays and the person having the x-rays done. Um, for me, um, if I'm seeing someone for generalized uh, gum disease or periodontal disease, I could recommend taking 20 of those little x-rays. Um, so it can definitely be, uh, we've all had x-rays done, so um, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it can be an unpleasant experience, I guess, would be. Uh, but same thing, just trying to explain to people why you're doing it. And, um, you know, we've got little tricks too, like if you tell someone to, to lift their foot up, um, while they're taking the x-ray, they're going to concentrate on lifting their foot up instead of um, 
think about the x-ray in their mouth. Yeah, so that that's a really good technique, and and all the things that you you've explained, and in the big world of periodontistry, it's definitely um, cool to learn all of these tips and tricks that you've given us. Um, I'm sure there's much more that we can learn from you. Um, but just one final question to wrap it up. Um, I just want to hear from you. What is one piece of advice that um, you would give to uh, future periodontists or periodontists out there who are working on their sensory-friendly uh, dentistry practice? I think the biggest thing would just take, take your time and um, get to know someone before you're going to do anything to them. Or And you, you just have to meet, because I always say people are people. So you just have to meet them where they are and um, trying to uh, get through the procedures, which can be unpleasant for um, someone without any sensory issues. So, um, yeah, so just meet people where they are and uh, take your time and um, go from there. Thank you to Dr. Peter Halford, a periodontist, for speaking with us today about the importance of being a personable and trustworthy dental specialist when providing services to clients. Dr. Halford highlights the benefits of a consultation appointment in order to provide clients with the information necessary to feel comfortable and prepared for procedures. He also discussed with us the strategy of breaking up appointments to be able to cater to each individual's needs. Dr. Halford's discussion links to our talk with Laura Swinburne, a dental hygienist, who talks about the importance of consent before you perform a procedure on a patient. We are very lucky to have had the opportunity to discuss these difficult but necessary topics of conversation and hope that you, our listeners, are enjoying and learning a bit more about sensory difficulties in the dental environment, as well as strategies to be able to create a more positive experience for those living with sensory challenges. Stay tuned for more rich conversations. Have a sensory-friendly day! You can find more information about creating a sensory-friendly dental practice on our website, sensoryfriendly.net.